0: Good morning. Again, or you forget how bright those lights are. To get up here, uh, I'm so glad to be here this morning, and I've counted always a privilege to uh, to be to stand before you and open the Word of God. Uh, I want to echo. I didn't know what Adam was going to say today, but. I'm old school, so uh, it has transitioned in my lifetime to back when, every time the preacher had a point or had a scripture or whatever, you kind of waited till all the pages, got, you know, you could hear everybody turning the pages in their Bible until everybody got to the scripture that the that he was fixing to use, and then he went on. And I'll have to admit, I kind of missed that, you know, but in this new in this electronic age that we live in, uh, you just don't get to hear the rustle of pages like you used to when uh, back in the ancient world. Uh, anyway, uh, okay, we are continuing our study in Thessalonians. Uh, we ended uh, last week. Uh, 1st Thessalonians, and starting this week on 2nd Thessalonians, and just as a slight, just as a little background real quick, uh, this letter was written just a few months after the first letter, and it was basically to address some misunderstandings uh, about the second coming and and some of those things, and I... uh, I thought that that was best left to our pastor. Uh, I didn't want to get on the end times stuff, so I took the first four verses of uh, of Second Thessalonians, which is basically oh a greeting, and uh, we got a little bit here to work with. Uh, uh, I asked John this morning. I said, "Well, with just four verses, how what am I going to talk about?" And he said, "I bet you'll find something." I said, "Yeah, I probably will. I could probably find." something to talk about. Uh, so let's read this. Let's read the first four verses of, uh, of Second Thessalonians. If you don't have your Bible to turn to, it'll be up on the screen. <clears throat> Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for another for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith. In all your persecutions and in all the afflictions that you are enduring. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it is alive and it's active and that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just uh, prepare our hearts, Lord, that we might hear, Lord, that we might understand, Lord, that we might do. Uh, Lord, that the word, that your word, Lord, would prevail in our hearts and in our minds, Lord, and Lord, that we would grow and mature, Lord, into the likeness of Jesus Christ by your word, and we just thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so uh, the first thing I wanted to look at, when you look at uh, at verse 1 in our our, uh, passage Paul, Sylvanus, and Timothy, you know, I don't know, I think we were out of town maybe when we did chapter one of 1 Thessalonians, and I had to, when it said Sylvanus, I'm going, who is Sylvanus? I'm not sure, I don't know who Paul is, I don't know who Timothy is, but, uh, and so I had to look, does anybody else have to look, anybody know? or did everybody know who that was? I don't maybe I'm just behind the curve here a little bit. Uh but that we would know him as Silas. Uh would be the more common name. So this is Paul, Silas and Timothy uh writing together. I'm sure that Paul was the thrust, he was the apostle and uh but that's not a bad uh trio of folks to have putting spiritual input into your lives. Uh, you know, we were I just mentioned that a couple about a month a little over a month ago, we were down uh, we went to Texas for a weekend, a little town called Quitman. That's uh sits right on the banks of Lake Fork, which may not mean anything to you unless you're a bass fisherman, maybe, because it's a big bass destination. Uh, But it's where we were living in the early 80s, and there was a little band of folks that got together and started a church in September of 1983. So when we were there a couple of months or so ago, they were celebrating their 40th anniversary, been doing ministry there for 40 years. And we were fortunate enough to be in right on the very, I think we missed, we were going to Baptist Church, which is what we were both raised in, and uh, but we were looking for something else, and somebody told us about this little bunch uh, that has started up, you know, back in that time, the... uh, yeah, there were not as many. The charismatic movement was just kind of getting going, and but uh, you know there weren't that many non-denominational churches. Most of them were a denomination of some sort. So, uh, but we we went out. We were there, I think, the, maybe the second or third time that they met from the very beginning. So we were there from almost the very start, and we got to see some friends that were very dear friends of ours that uh, some of them we hadn't seen in 30 years. You know, you might see them on Facebook or something like that, but had not really seen them in person. But two of the people that were there uh, were the men that started this church. Uh, And God put them in a position and put me in that place for them to have the opportunity to, to have a spiritual input in my life. And, you know, when I think back about these guys, it's just uh, it's so important to me what they did. Uh, I want to tell you just a little bit about them, just, just, just so you'll have a little history about me, really, as your elder, as one of the elders here. But uh the pastor was a guy named Jeff Whitwire. Uh he was saved in juvenile detention. Uh, he uh turned his life around, uh, got a degree, uh, and uh started this church. Just this was his he was young, he was at we were all in our early thirties in this time, and he was just a year or so maybe older than me, if that. And I'd never had a pastor that young. All the pastors had all had gray hair up to that point in my life, I think. So, uh, but Jeff uh, had a big booming radio voice. And he, uh, he taught like I'd never heard anyone taught. He, for his age, uh, his spiritual wisdom and his insight and discernment into the Word was I, I was a very young Christian. I'd only been saved a couple of years at that point, and, and he just made me thirsty for the Word of God. I mean, he just he uh, he made me want to be a better Christian. He made me want to get in the Word and study the Word. And the other guy was his his associate. What? Well, he was the pastor of everything. <laughs> he was because, uh, like I say, this was this little bunch just got started and. Uh, And so the guy that he brought with him to be his, uh, he was the minister of music, he was the, uh, youth coordinator, he was, he was the children's church, and he was anything that needed to get done, uh, he was the one that was getting it done. But he, he actually had just, he had taken over a family business, a very successful family business around Dallas, and, uh. And he walked away from it to be associate pastor in a little town about, of about a 1,000 at that point. And I think when we were there the other day, I think I saw on the sign, I think it's only 1,500 now, and that was, that was 40 years ago. So uh, this is not a booming metropolis. Uh, he, he walked away. He laid down his life uh, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And... Uh, his energy, and his, uh, we used to call him Mr. Fun, he was crazy, little red-headed guy, and uh, and then there was one other man that had tremendous input in my life, he was not there because he's gone on to be with Jesus, but he was a man that was a man named Wilfred Byers, and he uh, was old enough to be my dad, but he came to the church not long after us, and he adopted us, and uh, Mr. Byers had no more than a high school education, but he was one of the best, sorry, one of the best Christians I ever met. He and his wife, Miss Jean, they made a art of Christian hospitality. They, uh, they knew everyone in the church because they had had them over to their house. Uh, they entertained two, three, four Nights of the week. I mean, it was just uh, uh, everybody that came. It was no time at all. He knew them. He knew their kids. He knew what they did. He knew everything about them because because he took the time to get to know everybody. And he he was a fisherman also. Uh, He'd take them crappie fishing and he'd get them out there. And so if they needed witnessing to or whatever he had them on the he had them confined uh, to his boat out there and so he would uh, minister to them out there so he was a, he was just a he was a tremendous christian and these these guys spoke into my life and, and what i realized didn't understand then but you know they god was using these men to lay a foundation in my life that would endure for 40 years It is is enduring I mean, the 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 rains have fell and the floods have come and the winds have blown over the last 40 years, but the foundation that these men laid in my life still what holds me. And the point being, and this is as one of your elders, uh, and I speak, I think, for the whole leadership team here is I count it a privilege to uh to be able to speak in your life and I hope somewhere down the road uh when y'all are having a fortieth year anniversary, I don't think I'll be here. I hope I've gone to Jesus by the time that happens. But uh yeah, I think I hope that somebody says, Well, you know, Brett he had a little impact on my life. And, uh, and I pray that. So point number one, seek out who God has put in your life and use them as an asset for your, for your spiritual life to learn and to grow and to mature. Uh, just like the Thessalonians had, had Paul and Silas and Timothy speaking into their lives Seek out who God has put in your life and and use that asset. The second thing I want to look at is uh, just look at the heart of these men real quick. Uh, Two things uh, kind of caught my eye. The first thing was just there in in verse 1, Paul, Silas, Timothy to the church and Of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so any good church, any true church, this is what they're built on. They're built on God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ because anything else is sinking sand. Anything else is not going to hold you up and it's not going to be a foundation for you. Uh, And then the next thing I looked at is what these men... Hope for and wish for, uh, and wanted for this this church. Uh, in in chapter in verse two, grace and peace are the two things that they wanted imparted into this church. And I thought, wow. I mean, when you think about all the things that uh, people wish for and want for today, you know, they could have just wished that uh, they were healthy, wealthy, and wise. You know, they could have just Hope that everything would have just been wonderful in their lives all the time, but rather than that uh they wanted two of the best of all things: first grace grace, the unmerited favor of the creator of the universe God's riches at christ's expense uh Amazing grace, we sing the song. Uh, so grace is one of the, is the first, very first thing that they wanted imparted into these men's lives. I want to look at uh, one or two scriptures here real quick in Ephesians two uh, verses four through eight. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places so that in the coming ages we might, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing it is of the gift of God. So here we see saving grace, and it's probably what we know the most, but grace has so many aspects, Uh, I'm just going to reel off a couple, in in Romans 5.17 it's abundant grace, in in Romans 5.20 it's abounding grace, in 2 Corinthians 9 it's surpassing grace, in 2 Corinthians 12 it's sufficient grace. And finally, in Hebrews 4 and 16, it says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So it's not just a state of grace. It's the actual power of grace to hold us together, to help us to be with us in that time of need. I don't know of anything better that that Paul and company could have wished for this church, and it's what I pray for this church, that grace would abound here with us. And then the second thing that they wished for was peace. Vertical peace, peace with God. Horizontal peace, peace with men. And what I call emotional peace, or peace within. Uh, Philippians 4, 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Surpassing peace the peace of God. There's so much that could be said that we don't have time. That uh, fortunately, the AB guys, I let them off easy. I, I, I'm gonna mention some scriptures, uh, and you can you can follow up on this just a little bit. But uh, when you have time, read Romans 5:1. Colossians 3, and John, Gospel of John 14. Uh, There's so much about peace. It's what, uh, have you ever uttered under your breath, maybe just for, could I have one minute of peace, just a moment of peace, of tranquility, you know, where the madness could just stop for just a second? You know, whatever it is that's going on in your life, could we just mm, for just a second, peace? Uh, well, God wants you to have an eternity of peace, and it's one of the seven names of God in the in in the seven Jehovah names of Jehovah in the Old Testament, uh, Jehovah Shalom, God, our peace is what He wants for us, and. And uh, I'll tell you, I'm going to read a verse that gives me a lot of peace. In in Revelation 21, 3 and 4. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore for the former things that passed away. God has a place of peace for us and it gives me peace now to know that I'm going there. And I pray that you would have that peace and I pray that this, that peace would, would, uh, would be a cornerstone of this church And in my outline, if you look at the next uh, the next thing, it says, uh, "From whom all blessings flow." How many of you grew up singing the doxology? Anybody remember the doxology? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Somebody, yeah, a few. I get nod over there. A few nods over there. Uh, quick, quick, uh, quick! Point at this. If you just look at verse, if you look at verse two, uh, back in Thessalonians. Uh, grace and peace from our, <clears throat> from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And the quick point here is, is any true peace comes from God. There's, there's no other source. You can't get it from the world. You can't get it from money. You can't get it from your job. You can't get it from out of a bottle. You can't smoke it. Uh, peace comes from no other place but from our God, the Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Anything else is a counterfeit or a substitute that the world or the devil has come up with and and it always has a hook in it. Like peace versus happy. We want peace. But the devil and the world gives us happy. But happy is with circumstances. And circumstances change, as we all know. And you can be uh, very unhappy very quick. But but, uh, the world always is dangling dangling that happiness out. Oh, if I could only wear these clothes, if I could have this car, if I could live at this address, if I could marry this person, you know, there's always the the devil. And it always, when you get there, it never turns out to be what you thought it was going to be. Uh, Only God can provide true peace. It is the fountain from which all blessings flow. All right, we're just working our way through this. the little verses here. Uh, coming up to verse three, and I couldn't help but put my little southern spin on this if you look at my outline there. Uh, hey, you know what we ought to do. <laughs> well, he tells us, he says, we ought to always give thanks to God. And I remember, you know, just, just last week, uh, Pastor Adam touched on this in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18. It said, give thanks in all circumstances, as this is the will of God in Jesus Christ for you. And so, being thankful, it's, uh, it's, Makes your life more pleasant if you're thankful. Uh, it makes you realize that you are blessed. It makes you realize that that uh, there's something else besides you uh, that you are not the whole center of the inter- universe. You know, I, uh, I don't know. A, a genuine thank you for a genuine act of kindness always. Puts a smile on your face. I mean, it just—it just makes uh, uh, for a nice moment anytime uh, you get a good, a nice thank you. Is for the receipt for the giver and for the receiver. Uh, uh, Whereas, if you—the flip side of that coin is—is unthankfulness. Is such an ugly trait, really? If you think about it. did you ever just go way out of your way for somebody uh, to not even get so much as thanks? You know, uh, not necessarily that you did it for a pat on the back, but it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. You know, you just go wow. But uh, fortunately, that's why Jesus said that we're going to forgive, just like He forgave us. But uh, Jesus notices, I think, uh, and we're going to, Jesus notices those who are thankful. If uh, in Luke chapter 17, there's a story uh, or an account, I guess, of a miracle of Jesus healing 10 lepers. Uh, as the, we're just going to, I'll give you the, the southern version of the story, just uh, Jesus and his guys are says they're going down. He says they're walking through the right on the uh, border of Galilee and Samaria, and uh, and it says they come into a village, and at ten lepers cry out from afar, which is what lepers had to do. They were they had to when anyone approached them, they had to start hollering unclean, unclean, so that you could make uh, a wide berth around them because you did not want leprosy and there was no cure. But the ten lepers cry out from afar, have mercy on us. And Jesus cries back (laughs) from afar and tells them to go show themselves to the priest because he's the one that has to declare them clean. Uh, the only way that they can re-enter society is to get the okay from the priest. So he tells them to go show themselves to the priest. And in an act of faith, they all turned and went looking for the priest. And added, and then uh, your Bible will tell you, it says while they were on their way, they were cleansed. And so Jesus cleansed the, just what they wanted to happen is what happened, and it happened as an act of faith. And it says that one, when he saw that he was cleansed, turned back and fell at Jesus' feet, thanking him. And then the question of the day from Jesus, he really kind of puts this guy on the spot. He says, Jesus asked, were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? No one had an answer. No one offered up an answer. Jesus looked at him, he said, your faith has made your whole. Go on your way. So Jesus knows this is whether you're thankful or not, and he knows who you are. The, the one guy that came back happened to be a Samaritan, and we know what, uh, what, everybody, what the Jews thought about the Samaritans, but he said, so what, the only one that came back of this foreigner? So Jesus not only uh, notices thankfulness or unthankfulness, but he knows who you are. Give thanks always in all circumstances for it is God's will for us. Amen? Amen. Moving along. Verse 3. We're going to have a little fun with this. It says, uh, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is, Is increasing. Uh, And I called this right off the pastor's playlist, prayer list. Uh, I mean, look at these folks. Look at what Paul just said about these people. They're not just growing in faith, but they're growing abundantly. Which tells me there's a few things that you have to assume is if these people are growing abundantly in faith, they, number one, are in the Word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So if, if their faith is growing, they're in the Word. The second thing they're doing is they're praying. Your faith does not increase in God if you don't know God, and you don't know God unless you talk to God unless you pray to God. And so they were in the word, they were in prayer, church was a priority, and a small group was a given. I, you know, these guys were just uh, hitting on all cylinders. Uh, I'm impressed. Uh, and then, if you look at the, uh, and then if you look at the the rest of that, the rest of the verse, and not only that, but uh, but the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Wow. Uh, really? Everyone? I mean, I, sometimes you gotta wonder is Paul taking a little, what do you call it, poetic license here? Uh, every single one? Everyone? So, if everyone, if you take it literally, which I believe you should take the Bible literally, so no one's disagreeing, no one's griping, no one's gossiping. uh, No one is is ever tired and says something snippy or uncalled for. Uh, Everyone's in total agreement all the time. Everyone loves all the worship songs. Everybody thinks the sermon series is great. And everyone is perfectly happy with what time the service is over. <laughs> uh, right? I mean, this is uh, uh I'm sorry. My sarcasm gets the best of me sometimes. I can't help. <laughs> uh, as, as an elder, I have been asked many different questions. And sometimes you go, Wow, I really don't know how to answer that <laughs> uh we sang how many songs is it oh, are you, are we counting or any, anyway that, anyway uh moving moving right along <clears throat> uh, but we do we do need to if you look this is a a i think a mark of what's happening in this church uh Abundantly growing faith, uh, and if you go back and you know, I I think I think grace and peace, I think is a soil that faith grows in. I mean, I think this is this is where uh, you see the results of what these men wanted to speak into this church, and you see it uh, as a result of of what's happening here. I mean, their, their faith growing abundantly, and that their love for one another increasing. All the time, every one for every for one another uh you know last week, the pastor uh touched on on uh in chapter five of first thessalonians uh you know that uh, that we should be peace makers instead of peace keepers, which I thought was rather insightful thank you uh but uh you know, but I think the best the best verse on this we covered when we were in Thessalonians, and I just want to read this. Uh, it's a tremendous piece of scripture in in uh, not in Thessalonians in Colossians, chapter three, twelve through fourteen. Put on then as God's chosen, holy ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all, we put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. What a scripture. Uh, It convicts me. Am I this kind of church person? Am I constantly clothed with a compassionate, caring Kind attitude, as I should be. Am I always ready to forgive? Uh, Always maintain? And we need to get this right as a church for two reasons. Number one is, if you're going to have a 40th anniversary of this church, we need to stand together because a house divided cannot stand. And then the second reason is is because the world is watching. The world is watching. In John 17, just minutes before Jesus was to be arrested, betrayed and arrested, geez, he's, play, he's praying, and if you just listen to his heart in... in uh, in verse 23 of chapter 17, and I'll just read this real quick, and this is Jesus praying uh, in, Get, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says, I, talking about himself, Jesus, in them, us, believers, and you, God, in me, that they may become perfectly one. And then look at the reason for it. So that the world may know that you sent me, and love me, even and and love them even as you love me. So do you? I mean, you can hear the desire in Jesus for us to be unified, for us to everybody walking to the beat of the same drum. Everybody uh, singular in thought and in deed and in mission and goal. Everyone pulling. Together in the same direction at the same time. I, you know, I don't know if anybody ever, ever been around horses or very much, but uh, if you get a team of horses with a with a uh, wagon behind them, if they're not working, if you get one wanting to go this way and one going go that way and one pulling just as hard as he can and the other one digging its feet in, uh, the wagon goes nowhere. It's, it's just a circus and. Churches can be the same if everybody's not pulling in the same direction. And so that unity has a purpose, and the purpose is actually for this church to witness to those in the world. And that witness is by our unity. So every time that you do anything, every time that you promote unity in this church, you are witnessing to the world around us out here, because they're watching. Okay, and then the last, uh, the last two points—the good news and the even better news—I uh, really almost hesitated to breach this because it—we uh, need—we need, we need uh, a sermon series probably on this, but it is. But it's really part of what's happening here with this Thessalonian church. And I want to touch on it because, in, in, uh, because we can expect some of the same things here. So, the, the good news and the bad news, you know, somebody asks you, well, you want the good news first, or you want the good news, bad news, you know. Well, in this case, the good news and the bad news is one and the same, actually. Uh, so, look at the last part of verse 4. Uh, we're gonna kind of key in on that in the last few minutes here. Is that therefore we boast about you in the churches for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and all the afflictions that you are enduring? So, as well as this young church was doing with their faith and their love uh they're under heavy enemy fire they're uh they're taking the heat, so to speak, and the thing of it is is if you read uh there's so much in the word that will tell you that that this can be expected, and sometimes it takes people by surprise when actually we are told pretty bluntly that uh that we're going to we're going to face this so let's take a couple of verses here real quick and uh and read and and just talk about this for just a second this verse first, first first verse i promise you uh this is not on in the Copeland's and Joel Oystein's refrigerator door. They 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 do not have this on a magnet on their refrigerator. Philippians 1:29. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. kind of not when our your natural man kind of goes oh i don't believe i want any of that but actually it's a package deal if you look at if you look at what's being said in this verse two things it says are granted or gifted or bestowed uh whatever you want to use right there but but uh two things uh Believe that not only you should believe in him, so our belief in Jesus Christ, but also to suffer for his sake. It's a, it's a package deal. You don't get the one without the other. Now, at first blush, you would think, well, that doesn't really bless me very much at all to, uh, to hear that. Uh, Matthew 5.11, Jesus speaking on the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. And then the one that everybody knows on James chapter 1, the one that everybody knows but we don't really want to talk about, uh, counted all joy, brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds and there's other scriptures that you could could uh, Romans 5 1 Peter 1 uh, you can do some more reading on this but it's it's pretty clear that we're going to be facing trials and suffering and afflictions and persecutions and and of course you know poor persecutions we have to be relative to the modern western world versus where the Thessalonians were uh, you know they could get caught out in the open in the wrong place and they could be the center of attention at a rock party and uh, whereas we might not get invited to the party or they might snicker at us at the water cooler at work or you know, for the most part, uh, what you would call persecutions uh, against Christians are not happening in Fort Smith, Arkansas at this point. Uh, so, so persecutions to them and persecutions to us is a little bit different. But still, we live in a fallen world. And our bodies get old and wear out and they quit working. And the company we work for decides that they need to downsize. Or the child that you raised and that you love tells you that they don't want any part of you or your God. And I could go on and on. I mean, there are people in this room right now that are facing these kinds of trials and worse. But this is where the really good news comes in. Is that if we patiently endure, there is a reward. And we have to watch that we don't skip over the patiently endure part. If you whine, cry, bellyache, blame God, quit going to church, Uh, don't fellowship anymore, don't pray, don't read the word because one of these things might be happening to you. Uh, Your reward kind of goes by the wayside. But if you do, lean on God, lean on Christian brothers and sisters that love you, allow God to work in your life for this. The rest of the story, so to speak, the Paul Harvey kind of thing, and if you go back to Matthew 5, that ends with, rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. And if you go back and read the rest of James 1, it says, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Verses 3 and 4 of James. There is a great reward to have your faith tested because without it, you don't know if it works. I mean, I don't know if somebody's ever given you anything and you look at it and you go, does that work? (laughs) Well, I don't know. I ain't tried it. Well, that's how our faith is. If, if you have not had anything, any trial, any affliction, any persecution, uh, you don't really know if your faith, as it, state, as it talks about in First Peter, uh, whether it's genuine or not. You don't know if you've got the real deal. So the patient endurance is what gives us that assurance that our faith is, is the real thing. That our faith it's going to get us through this world and out of this world and into the presence of God wrapping up i called it I, at the very if you look looking on your bulletin the name of this was formula for success so let's let's look at the formula for success number 1 seek Godly, spiritual input. Number two, accept grace and peace into your life. Number three, know where your blessings come from. Number four, give thanks in all circumstances. Number five, grow your faith and increase your love. And number six, accept trials as a necessary part of your spiritual growth. Let's pray. Father, we just pray you today, we thank you, Lord, for all that you have done for us, all that you are doing, all that you will do. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that your word is powerful. Lord, I pray, Lord, that it would penetrate our hearts. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would, Lord, not be surprised, Lord, when trials come our way but Lord, rather that we would lean on you, Lord, that we would, Lord, fill ourselves with your word, Lord, that we would fellowship, Lord, with those that love us, Father, Lord, that we might grow, and Lord, that we might be a witness, Lord, to those who are watching in the world, Lord, who need Jesus Christ in their lives, and I just pray uh, that you would use us in a mighty way. And we thank you for it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen.